Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Hi, I'm Mark from Marinda Safeway. We offer great savings on groceries, but did you know we also offer savings at the pump? Earn 10 cents off per gallon when you spend $100 at Safeway stores. Enter your phone number or swipe your club card at the register and earn points. Redeem your rewards at participating Chevron, Texaco, and Safeway gas stations. Maximum gas reward at participating Chevron or Texaco stations is 20 cents per gallon and $1 per gallon at Safeway stations in a single fill-up, up to 25 gallons. Other restrictions and exclusions apply. See complete details at Safeway.com forward slash reward. This is Mark from Marinda Safeway, and we'll see you soon. Blog Talk Radio. Hi, I'm Ryan Tannehill, quarterback for the Miami Dolphins, and I represent the Fencider with the PH. Hey guys, it's Friday night. It's Fencider Podcast Night. We're back. We're going to start talking to Miami Dolphins. Um, we might actually talk about the Miami Dolphins football news, and uh, we'll see where, where the conversation goes tonight. But obviously, it's a little bit of a strange week around the Miami Dolphins. Uh, if you guys want to give us a call, the number is 347-326-9461. You can also hit us up on Twitter, at the Finsider, And we, of course, have the live thread over on thefinsider.com. So make sure you get in your questions. We'll talk about whatever you guys want to talk about. And like I said, we'll see where the conversation goes. Uh, hopefully I'm not bullying anybody tonight, but I'll go ahead and welcome in Duke and James. Duke, how are you tonight? Doing well. Okay. You don't feel uncomfortable or anything? No. Not upsetting you in some way? No. Nah. Um, no, nah, I'm not okay. going to take my dress. <laughs> okay. <laughs> James, how are you tonight? I, I'm I'm all right. I'm a little tired and... Uh... Um, I just want to warn Duke, I may make fun of NASCAR later, so um, hopefully that's not the setting. <laughs> and I, I do want to stress at this point, at this point in the um, in the situation going around on around the Miami Dolphins, and everybody knows it by now. Jonathan Martin has left the Dolphins. He's been gone for twelve days now, I think it is. Um, he left after he left. He talked to the coaches. And obviously something was going on with him. And then a week later, his lawyers alleged that there was player misconduct. They sent voicemail and text messages to prove this player misconduct. Coach Philbin then immediately suspended Richie Incognito. He's still suspended. There's an investigation going on from the NFL, and that's where we stand. Now, through all of this, and obviously if you are a reader of the Finsider, you've read a whole lot of it. We've covered a lot of it. There's still more out there that isn't on the Finsider yet, but I mean, there's just a ton of stuff going on. And it's serious stuff, and they need to get to the bottom of it. And like I said in a tweet just recently, no matter what the outcome of this is, 
Jonathan Martin seems to have issues that need to be dealt with. There's something emotionally with him that needs to be worked out. And by all means, I hope he gets the help he needs. I hope that he gets healthy um, no matter which way this goes. If this goes the way that Richie Incognito was way over bounds or way out of bounds, way over the line, if I can mix my metaphors there, um, if, if, if it's way wrong what he did, then by all means they need to do whatever they need to do. They need to take, they need to deal with it. They need to suspend him, fine him, cut him, whatever they're going to do. But at the same time, we don't know the details. We don't know everything. So the the thing to remember is we all have to keep an open mind of this. We all have to make sure that we realize both of these players are Miami Dolphins players. And I think somewhere along the line we're forgetting that because everybody's quick to jump on the I love Richie, I hate Jonathan, or I love Jonathan, I hate Richie. I mean, I'm, I'm ready to start seeing the T-shirts of Team Richie and Team Jonathan come out. So uh, we're, we're kind of forgetting that these are two Miami Dolphins players, and we should support both. We may disagree with how Jonathan Martin did it, but we should support him and hope that he gets the help he needs. We should support Richie, even if we think that what he did was wrong, we need to support him in the terms of he's still a Miami Dolphins player. And the main thing that we all need to do in the end is make sure we don't turn on each other because there's way too much of that in the comments right now. And I know, James, you're dealing with it a lot, but we love to attack each other. And somebody says one thing about, oh, Jonathan Martin – is being bullied, and the next person comes in there screaming that Martin is a, a whatever female genitalia name you want to use at that moment, and how he's a sissy and he shouldn't he shouldn't do this. And guys, we don't need to attack each other. We don't need to call people names. If you have an opinion, make your opinion, but don't make it so that you're attacking somebody else because it just. We're all still Dolphins fans. We're all still rooting for the same team. And on Monday night, we're all going to be watching TV hoping the Dolphins win. Um, The other thing is, I I think we are to the point where the jokes are starting. And you heard me at the start of the show. I know you sent me a text earlier that was a joke about this. The jokes are starting among Dolphins fans, and – I don't think it means that we're not taking it seriously at this point. I think it just means we have been so inundated with this story for the last 12 days that there's just nothing else to do. I mean, everywhere you look, it's all Richie Incognito, Jonathan Martin. Uh, James, you you said it before. You turned on ABC News, and it's the lead headline on ABC National News. Yeah, that that was... Yeah, go on, James. And that was on that was on Monday night when it it just sort of started to pick up uh, steam. Yeah. You know, now it's now it's really. I mean, I every morning on the way, you know, I I leave my house early, like five thirty six in the morning, and uh, there's people talking about it on the radio first thing in the morning every single morning. It is every and every in, and I'm national, in Dallas, so every national news organization whether it's CNN, Fox News, ABC News, MSNBC, NBC, whatever it is, is covering this. And 
if you listen to some of the comments uh, during the press conferences, like I know at one point Ryan Tannehill said it, just look around at one of these press conferences and you can see the difference or you can hear the difference. There are hundreds of reporters trying to cover the Dolphins right now. And as a Dolphins fan, it's just to the point where if we're not laughing about it, it's just going to crush us. So I, I think there is some validity to <clears throat> jokes being made about this situation, not necessarily about Jonathan Martin or about Richie Incognito, but about the situation as a whole, because it is just a beatdown listening to this. And, I mean, today I was to the point where um, the story on Richie Incognito apparently holding – offensive line meetings in strip clubs, and I just didn't want to write Richie Incognito's name again. I'm so sick of typing his name over and over and Jonathan Martin's name over and over and bullying, harassing, situation. These words I'm just tired of writing, but it's the story right now. Why, why, is, why is the fact that the uh, NFL lineman is in a strip club or a group of NFL linemen, or a group of NFL players, for that fact, in a strip club, even a story. It, but I don't. Does that I not think, happen I, in every NFL city? I'm pretty sure it does. I think the reason is not the, the fact that they were in the strip club. I think the fact that he was holding <laughs> meetings in the strip club is what is getting it. Because he well, apparently was holding meetings there and expecting every offensive lineman to show up, and if they didn't, he would ridicule them and fine them. And like Duke said before the show, you guys, I mean, obviously you guys didn't hear it, but um, Duke was saying before the show, Josh Samuda was fined $75 for missing one of these meetings. So, I mean, it's not like they're talking the $15,000 that Jonathan Martin had to pay for a Vegas trip he didn't go on. But it's still, I mean, at what at what point did Richie Incognito gain all this power? That's the weird thing, is somehow he did become <laughs> – the, I, I see him um, – I think it's the Jungle Book is probably the best way. You know the, the, the monkey king in the Jungle Book sitting on his chair? That, that's kind of what I'm picturing right now. It's just Richie Incognito sitting on his little <laughs> throne somewhere just bossing around minions. <laughs> it's like, what, what happened here? <laughs> I, I, you say that, and I just – Envision Richie Incognito singing that you want me, or whatever that monkey song sings about the fire. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Uh, <laughs> here's the thing. Here's the thing about a lot of this is I read Bill Simmons today his weekly you know NFL picks. He talked about the situation. He said this is picked up you know kind of a national a national thing. And that is true. And what has happened here, whether it was the intended result or not, is that this has become a kind of a referendum on bullying and locker room culture yes. and what is deemed acceptable. And that, I mean, that is just a, 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 a complete beast on its own, let alone in regards just to this situation. Um, there was an article on Grantland earlier this week, and it talks about kind of the way Michael Jordan bullied players. I talked about him uh, punching Steve Kerr in the face in practice one time. It, it, it quoted him uh, from one practice saying some really, really horrible things to Kwame Brown. And I, I, I read that and I started thinking about it. I was like, you know, 
you're not going to hear a whole lot about that simply because he's Michael Jordan. He gets he gets benefit of the doubt because he's Michael Jordan. That's just how it is. But you know, in regards to this this investigation, there's, there's two issues here that I have a problem with. Number one is the fact that this is going to be a slow, ongoing thing. This is not a quick thing, which is which as Dolphins fans we don't like because we want it over with. We want it. We want this done as quickly as possible. Whatever steps have to be taken, just end it. Let's get it over with. We're tired of thinking about it and discussing it. On the other hand, it's that the media who has to continually come up with some stories. So that's why you get all these talking heads on TV continually discussing and giving their quote-unquote opinions on things when facts haven't come out. There's there's all kinds of stuff there. And one thing about the investigation is this. You know, other players have come out uh, from other teams – you know, I think you know they want to talk about players paying for paying for dinners, rookies paying for dinners. That is a tradition across the NFL. That I mean, other players have said that. Um, Warren Sapp talked about it. Adanian Tomlinson talked about it. He said he himself personally dropped seventeen thousand on the meal as a rookie. Um, so, so they're going to have to look at NFL culture as a whole. What how this plays out for the Dolphins is this. Is that if, if if they find that Johnson Martin was singled out and bullied, then then they they have to do things with Dolphins. But if they say that he was not treated any differently than anybody else, that doesn't make it right or wrong. But what it does mean is that the investigation would have to focus on changing NFL culture as a whole. Right. Omar was tweeting about it today that you know there's this. He says they do have proof that there have been hazing. They do have proof of these other things. But this is not the only team that does it. So to sit here and single out the Dolphins in this in this matter to say, oh, well, they were hazing, they were being bullies, would, you know, kind of put them in a different light compared to other teams that do things that haze. And it has to prove that, again, that it was above and beyond, above and beyond what – Typical hazing would or would be. It would have to show that Jonathan Martin is singled out. I mean, we see the stuff that Richie Incognito has said. But what needs to be what the context is is what if he said that to everyone? That doesn't make it right. Doesn't mean he should have said any of that stuff. But if he comes up to Tyson Claybo and says the same things, you know, that would, in my opinion, say that he's not he's not favoring Johnson Martin in terms of picking on him. Right. That, that's just his way of coming across. So I think what's going to happen in this investigation is they're going to look at was Martin singled out? Was there a case here where he was the only person who was wronged in any way or mistreated in any way? And in my opinion, that has to be done that the course language and everything else that we've seen has to be directed solely at him and not at anybody else. That doesn't take away his Martin's feelings about it, or Martin the way Martin felt about it. He may have not liked it, and he may not have um, enjoyed it. But at the same time, if everyone is being treated the same way, they're not bullying him. It's just it's just a poor locker room environment. At which point, then the investigation has to look at all locker rooms to see that. And then, um, um, can, can, can I disagree with that a little bit, just from the legal standpoint? Um, okay. 
it you go to work wherever you work there's a set of there's a set of laws that govern that those laws those federal laws that govern where you work are no different than where he works if he at any point voiced that he was offended or upset by something that was said and nothing was done about it and it didn't stop then that person is legally in the wrong it does nothing else matters at that point and therefore if the dolphin but well, you're assuming and, and, that somebody did because so far everything the Dolphins have said is nobody knew anything until well, after he left. That's right. But now they know. So now they – and what they did by suspending incognito is what any company would do in that same right. situation. So And so everybody's everybody's jumping on the Dolphins. I can't believe they suspended him without finding – no, they're, they're – he's suspended with pay yeah. most likely – find out, you know, what and, what the full story is. And it goes back to what I said on Twitter um, a few days ago, that this is no different than if a police officer has an allegation against him, if a leader in the military has an allegation against him, a teacher has an allegation against him, they get suspended, they get removed from the situation until the investigation is complete. Well, I mean, you can and go to the it, and that that applies to any workplace, really. I mean, if you go into a regular office environment and some guy is um, accused of sexually harassing a female, they're going to remove him until they investigate it. He's going to go home and still get his paycheck, but he's going to sit on the couch and watch, you know, soaps all day until it, they figure out and did he or did he not do go, it. Let's go to everybody's favorite comparison right now because a lot of people have been trying to compare the Richie Incognito, Jonathan Martin situation to domestic violence and saying that a spouse could be beating another spouse and when they're in company, nobody sees it. I'm not going to go down that road, but I am going to say when the police are called to a domestic violence or a domestic abuse situation, the rule is somebody's getting arrested. It doesn't matter whether or not they substantiate the claim down the road. Somebody is getting arrested because somebody is no. Both people are not staying in that house that night. Well, yeah, that's so that, I, it, that's it's the same thing there. I mean, you have a complaint, you remove somebody. Well, yeah. And, well, it's 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 because if it's happening, you can't. If if it if it is true, it you're 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 taking the the, the wise course of action, not knowing whether it is or not. Because if it is, right. and, you, and you let him stay there for another month while you investigate, then you're liable for that entire month that you let them continue to, to work together. And that's that's the issue. And, and here's the thing about, about all that is, I mean, my my problem was, was, is, you know, I think what the investigation would have to show is that, that the Dolphins fostered this culture of, yeah, we're going to let you be bullied and we're not going to do anything about that. I don't think that that's happening. And from what the players are saying, he did have outlets that he thought he was being harassed in the workplace, that he could have gone to someone and there was someone in place to to deal with that. And I think that that was the main thing. A lot of people said, well, you know, maybe he's he, he wasn't comfortable going forward and things like that. Well, I mean, he, I mean, to me, and I don't know all the, the legal stuff behind it, but to me, it would seem like that. You know that's that's not Joe Fielden's fault, or that's not the team's fault. That they have things in place for this to happen, and then he just didn't utilize that. 
don't, I, I don't, agree with that, too. Yeah, I don't, I don't think, think at this point we had in place, and he chose not it, to use them for whatever reason. Right, but I don't think, yeah, and I don't think the Dolphins are, are in any. I think once once they were notified, they did they did they handled it the way they're supposed to legally and, and otherwise, and that's right. I think that's what's going to come out in the that's from what I know so far, that's what's going to come out in the wash. Now, um, what I don't. What I don't understand in all of this, and this is jumping away from it for a minute, is there's a lot of backlash from this towards Jeff Ireland right now. And the only time his name has come up has been when the uh, Pro Football Talk report said that he was notified before Jonathan Martin left, and he recommended that Jonathan Martin punch Richie Incognito. And then hours later, they made one line at the very bottom of their report that said an earlier report of this indicated that this happened before. It actually happened after Martin left. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's a huge difference. You need to yeah, like, that, fix a lot of things. That is, a, that is but, an enormous difference, but yes. definitely. But I don't know why. I, I know why. It's because people hate Jeff Ireland and they look for any reason to go after him, too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what Jeff Ireland – why would a player or why would the general manager know about a situation going on in the locker room? He shouldn't be in the locker room. That's not his job. I'm sure he walks through there every now and then. I'm sure Stephen Ross walks through there every now and then. But are you no, telling but, me that but, – but, but I, but I do, I do agree on, that Ireland should not have made that statement if he did say that. Yes, but, but I but I need context because if he gets a phone call and he goes, "Wow, I would have punched him," or "Wow, but yeah, he he should have punched him for saying that." That's a big difference in saying, "Well, why doesn't he go punch him?" I mean, that, that's yeah. the context, and it goes back to we're hearing a little bit of it, and we're all assuming Jeff Ireland is the worst person on the face of the earth. Kind of like asking a player if his mom is a prostitute. When the situation was, my dad is a pimp, what does your mom do for a living? She works for my dad. Your mom is a prostitute? That's the situation as it became known. But nobody remembers that because it's not the sexy way and it's not the way the media ran with it at first. If I'm Jeff Ireland, if if I'm – I've got to – hold on a sec. Okay. We um yeah, and Agent J seven seventy eight points out something. First of all, it was Mike Florio, and the moment I read yeah. the words Mike Florio, I was like, okay, well, let's just see what happens. And of course, it comes out later. You know, oh, this happened before. Blah blah blah. Jeff Island's bad. Dawson stuck. You know, J E T S just just just. And then and then uh, oh well, actually he said it after the fact. You know, kind of yeah. You know and. That, I, you know, gonna, a lot of people are like, well, you know, it's, it's a news, news source, whatever, blah, blah, blah. I said, no, it's not. It, it's pro football talk. They are notorious for jumping the gun on everything, for running with stories that are either completely irrelevant or doing things just to get page hit. Mike so, Florio got into an argument. Mike Florio got into an argument on Twitter with a team's mascot and his go-to <laughs> – Killer insult was, I run a website that gets five million hits. 
That's, yes, it. that's, that's, uh, that's, that's all that he's worried about is how many clicks he can get. Absolutely agree. And, and to, to, yeah, to real quick on that, um, there were people on the site yesterday who, on our site, who were saying that they come to the Finsider expecting every piece of news and rumor out there to be posted on it because we are a news – we are not a news site – we are a reporting site linking to everything else. And I will absolutely 100% again say that is dead wrong. My job is not to give you every single piece of rumor news out there. I try very hard to give you reliable things. And when I see a report come up on, and we'll use PFT as the example, on one site that one doesn't make sense to me because the the Dolphins have repeatedly said – we weren't notified until after John left. Then suddenly this report pops up that doesn't quite make sense and no other news source runs with it. Then I have to go, okay, wait. And it was up a good eight hours before some of the other news sites ran with it as PFT is reporting. And then PFT changed their mind, changed their report, and everybody kind of went, oh, well, they changed it. So, I absolutely 100% will get out on the site things as fast as I can. But when things don't make sense to me, I'm not going to jump out there just because I can. I want what you guys are reading on the Finsider to be worthwhile and to make sense. And jumping the gun on when Jeff Ireland was told didn't make sense to me. That's why it wasn't there. And I will, if, if you want to say – you need to know every piece of, of news and rumor out there. I can direct you to sites that can give you that. Hopefully you will then come back to the Finsider to read my opinion or other people's analysis of those news stories. And when we don't have something on there, there's probably a reason. No, I think, yeah, I think right. uh, any, you're, 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 you're the lead editor if, I mean, you run the whole site, but you're the lead editor, and just like any other no, news reporting, whatever it be, outlet of any type, the the lead editor has to make decisions on what goes in and what doesn't right. go in, and that, that's, that's all and you're doing. If you want just a rundown of headlines, go to News You May Have Missed, posted every morning, which is simply a rundown of links, and K-Dog does a great job with but during the day, that's not how I run the Finsider. I don't give you just a rundown of links. I try to give you worthwhile stuff, stuff that makes sense, and I can at least – I may not be getting the sources, but I can at least go, is this a reliable reporter or have two places run with the source? Because if I get multiple places running with it, then I understand, okay – there's something behind it. But when it's one source and it's one report and it's a report that has been from a place that has repeatedly been bad, I try to wait to see if somebody else picks it up. And I'm sorry if that drives you crazy. That's the way I try to run the site. I don't want to give you bad information. Because well, well, what would have happened based on that, Everybody Based on that theory, we run all the stories on Bleacher Report, which we never run, so... Yeah, so that's the same thing. It's a bad site. But um, 
yesterday I would have been sitting there trying to explain hours later that, oh, Jeff Ireland didn't find out beforehand. And you know what? Half of the people would have read that first story and not the second story, and everybody would be still using that as their logic on why Jeff Ireland needs to be fired and why the Dolphins are screwed. Now today, some that would have seen I don't this, have to do that. We figured it out. Some would have seen the, the second uh, half of the story and still ran with the first half of the story. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, 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 and what? Martin posted a story on it where in the story he discussed how um, PFT laid it out and then how they did their correction. And you know what? There were still comments on there about how Jeff Ireland was wrong for doing that and obviously hadn't read the second half of the same story they were on. Yeah, if, if 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 he had known ahead of time, the Dolphins would be in very serious legal trouble. I mean, that's not not, if, not like they're going to go out of time, of time. Yeah, if he had known ahead of time, and that news got out, Jeff Island would still not, would not still be the GM of the Miami Dolphins. I mean, that's I mean, probably true. Look, yep. we we got rid of Incognito at the first sign of of, of whatever, uh, first time his name was implied. With everything that was said, he was gone immediately. If it turns out that Jeff Ryan, like, you know, somehow he admitted that this beforehand, that, oh, Jonathan Martin's being bullied, he's like, well, he should just punch the guy. And then all this stuff comes out. There's no way that he's still there right now. He would be suspended. Right. He would be fired. He would be something. So, um, you know, that that doesn't. I agree with that. That wouldn't that wouldn't fly. I mean, I don't think anybody's going to sit in and say, "Well, they're going they're going to just leave him there and hold off to see what happens." No, he, something would have been dealt with. Um, again, a guy like Stephen Ross doesn't get to his position in life by being stupid. Um, so you know, he's not going to. He would he something would have been done. And the other part about what you were saying about the side is this: is that first of all, we're not paid for this. You know. Guys like Omar and Armando, they will come out and tell you, say, look, all this is about page hits for me. You know, the more the more stuff I can print or put on a website that gets hit, that's my job. That's what I get paid for. We don't get paid to, to write anything. I mean, I mean so, I, you know, so if you don't want to write something, you know, that's your prerogative not to do it. This, the, you know, we want page hits too because we want the site to grow. But this isn't something like you need to just be, you know, there's not someone over you, SB Nation's not over you saying you need to print out stuff to get page hits. Right. You're right. Now, I will say the thing that I pointed out in that thread, and I will 100% stand by it too, is if you disagree with me, there is something that should be posted, and the Dolphins fans need to know right away. That's why we have fan posts and fan shots. Absolutely 100% put them there because I won't take it down. I may put a comment in there. I may go in and edit it and say, editor's note, uh, PFT has changed their timing on this. I may do that, but I won't take it down. That's your guys' area. Absolutely 100% put it there. Now, I caveat that with one part. Don't get stupid. Don't get personal. Because absolutely 100%, if your post goes into just ranting about somebody on the site or ranting about the site in general or ranting about how soft and whatever female genitalia this description you decide to use today Jonathan Martin is, 
that's probably going to come down because it's not giving us anything of substance. It's just obviously a, I want to throw as many profanities out in the world as I possibly can. But other than that, that's yours. If you guys want to post it, post it. And if it's well-written, I will front page it. I don't care if it is anti-my opinion because the site is not my opinion. My opinion goes into what goes on the site in the first place. But if it is newsworthy, it deserves to be up there. When I decide that it's newsworthy, I will post something up there. But if you feel it's newsworthy first, put it in the, prof- or in the fan post. Put it in a fan shot. And if it's well-written, like I said... I'll put it on the front page even if I don't agree with your comments. You have options to get it out there. I'm not saying that you have to do all the work. Don't get me wrong. If it's newsworthy, I will write the story. Or Duke or Keith or James or Martin or other James or Brian or K-Dog or whoever else I'm forgetting as I'm just sitting here trying to think of everybody as I run down the list. Somebody will write. I think the other James should have to change his name just so there's no confusion. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. But, uh, I, okay. You know what? I'm changing the topic now. I'm done on the talking about the site. I, I If you don't like well, the site, let me know, but I'm telling you why I do the things I do. I want the site. I signed a contract with SB Nation. SB Nation comes to me and asks me why I do things the way I do things, and I want to be able to tell them that I do it the way I do it because I try to keep some integrity on the site, and I try to make sure that the information that we put out there is reliable. So that's the end of my why the site is the way the site is. I want to go back nobody to... really cares about that. I want to go back to the uh, kind of the investigation a bit because Strange put yeah. a comment on the site um, that I think is kind of important here. He says, if this is a league-wide problem, there's nothing particular extreme about this case. And, and I, I can kind of – I agree with that because I, I believe what's going to happen is that if the Dolphins – if it is shown that the Dolphins were not negligent in any way in responding to how Martin felt, if it shows that this was not necessarily particular, uh, that they they were, you know, building this this um, a, a locker room or a work environment that is uh, that is rough, then I, I think you have to kind of look at it as, as a league wide thing. So I think if that's the case, and I think from what I've read about the investigators, it's a pretty fair guy. But I think what you're going to see is I think ultimately the Dolphins, they will come out and say the Dolphins did not do anything that any other NFL team wouldn't do or hasn't done, or in, in not only NFL but other sports. Why? Because there's plenty of anecdotal evidence out there that would suggest things go on. I mean, uh, somebody on a thread last night brought up Prince of Mukamura and the Giants. They dumped him in a, in a, a tub full of ice water. I mean, how do you say? How do you differentiate dyeing people's hair, um, which they get to cut right. after two weeks anyway, and dumping somebody in a, a tub of ice water? So why is one abusive and one, you know, a terrible work environment? But the other one, oh, it's okay for them. So um, I think I think ultimately what's going to happen is that the that the dolphins are going to come out of this as being 
not not necessarily a fault here, but the league will have to do something to kind of change things. There will be because this has gone to such a national story. I think the, the legal side we're going to we're going to start imposing anti-hazing rules or things like that. We're going to make sure things like this can't happen again, and they're going to they're going to come up with even better ways for players who may not feel comfortable coming forward to confronting another player or even the coach or anyone else of ways to get them so that a situation where you know it was mentioned that Jonathan Martin may not have felt comfortable talking to anyone on the team. Well, he needs to have some way of being able to, if he's having an issue, to come forward with it. And while I do believe that was in place, they will do something to improve it and make it better. So I, I kind of see that that's where this is going. I just, I don't know. I just, I can't. Maybe it's just because I'm a Dolphins fan. I just can't believe right now that this was that Joe Philbin, being the type of person he he is, that we've seen from him, that he would just sit there and allow a person to get. Um, harassed continuously by other players, um, you know. I mean, I remember from Hard Knock that they were, you know, he was asking people how, what was the, ha- you know, how was the hazing. He was wanting to make sure that nothing was out of line then. So, yep. you know, I mean, maybe, maybe Richie Incognito was the, the wrong person for all this, and more than likely that's true. But, you know, I just don't see that this was a singular event with just one team, and every every other team's perfectly fine. Nothing bad goes on in their locker rooms, and this is just one bad case for one team. I think it's, it, I, I think it would be a, a systemic issue across the board, and I think that's how the investigation will go. Is back, look, if there's problems, it's everywhere, not just with the Dolphins. I think uh, I think it was Keith Simmons this week on Dolphins radio show. I think it was Keith Sims who was talking about it. But they, they asked him about – somebody called in and said the offensive line is supposed to be – I guess Keith Sims would make the most sense since he's the offensive lineman. Um, the offensive line is supposed to be like a band of brothers, and they're supposed to have each other's back, and they're supposed to be tight-knit and all this. And Keith said, well, first off, yes, we have to work as a unit, but I don't have to be best friends with the guy next to me. I – just have to know that he's going to do what he's supposed to do and that when we hit the field, we're all trying to go out there and be um, a winning football team. But he said, oh, absolutely, we would haze the rookies. I mean, he said, you would have a rookie in the locker room panicked because he can't find his jersey or his helmet for that day, and it's because we plastic wrapped it and threw it into the cold tub. We're all running out to the field. He finally finds it, has to quickly unwrap it and throw on the freezing cold helmet or freezing cold jersey and run out there. Is that wrong? I mean, is that different than throwing Prince of Mookie? That worked out well. That was great radio right there too, huh? I don't have my soundtrack. Sorry. Prince of Mookamara throwing him into the cold tub. Is that different? Probably because it's not actually hitting or risking somebody's injury. And Keith said that um, his rule was anything goes, you can say anything, you can do anything as long as you don't physically touch the person. Because he said, we never taped anybody to the goalpost because I didn't want to be touched, so I'm not going to touch them. But he did. He said paying for things. Um, throwing the helmets into the ice tub, that's all okay. 
Now, I don't think he was saying the let's go take a credit card and go buy a jet ski paying for things, but the rookie dinner paying thing for things. And I think that that's that, that's the that's the point. Um, I was listening to NFL radio today, and our buddy Channing Crowder is on ESP or Sirius NFL Radio, whatever the right name for it is. NFL Radio on Sirius XM. There we go. Uh, he was on there, and he said, "I always had the first locker the minute you walked into the locker room, and every day everybody comes in and goes." Hey, how's your wife and my kids? And keep going. <laughs> and he said, it, it, it's, that's the kind of talk always. And he said, and this is all Channing Crowder, and I'm going to try to find it and see what I can pull out of it. But he said, uh, basically, he said, I have a feeling that the problem is Jonathan Martin wasn't ready for that. He came into the locker room and wasn't ready for the culture shock that he got coming into that locker room and guys talking like that. Now, could they have taken it too far? Absolutely. But, I mean, he said that was day one. I'm there. I'm a veteran. And everybody's walking in and asking me, how are, how's my wife and their kids? So it, it, it goes back to, and I'm back to me talking, but it goes back to was, was Richie Incognito over the line and we won't know the answer to that until we get context because everybody's jumped all over that voicemail. And the more that the players have talked about it, the more that we hear about it, the more that sources leak out more, the more it sounds like, one, Richie Incognito was drunk, and we can talk about that in just a second. Two, it was done jokingly. And three, we have at the end of it, Richie Incognito said, okay, call me back. And Martin did. So there, there's, there's more layers to this that we don't know yet. Now, to go to the Richie Incognito was drunk part, everything that's bad seems to happen when Richie Incognito is drunk. I mean, the report that he sexually harassed a woman on a golf course, and there's some sort of settlement because she signed a confidentiality agreement and – we won't get any more details ever on that. But the alleged sexual harassment there, Richie was drunk. When he makes vulgar voicemails, Richie was drunk. Um, it just it, it, it seems like there's a alcohol problem in here somewhere. I read today, and I have not read the whole story, so I can't be sure on it, but I read today that the Dolphins were absolutely considering cutting Richie this spring. And they decided – you know what, we'll bring him back, but he's not in the plans for 2013. Um, how true is that? I don't know. Like I said, I haven't read the full report yet, but apparently the Dolphins were getting tired of Richie's antics, but it wasn't enough to push them over the edge. Now looking back at it, I bet you they sure wish they, it had been enough to push them over the edge. But Richie, yeah. Richie and alcohol to be a bad combination. Yeah, and I and, and and getting more on to actual football, I, I do believe that. I mean, it was kind of my belief all along before any of this that Incognito, this was his last season. I mean, there was a lot of some of the writers were were, were saying that, and I kind of thought the same as well. The team, you know, they seem to be moving away from 
some of the older players, high, more expensive players at that position, and going toward going toward uh, you know younger or developing players there. I think it was Omar Kelly that said that uh, he believed that Dallas Thomas, even though he's not been active any this season, was actually drafted to be Richie Incognito's replacement. So, um, I, yeah, I mean, I don't think he's coming back to the team now at all for any reason. And um, even if it turns out that he was not, uh, even if it turns out that he was not really bullying Martin or he was not, he didn't do anything necessarily um, wrong or whatever, I, I don't think the Dolphins will bring him back simply because they didn't want to bring him back past this year anyway, and now they just have a kind of a built-in excuse right. to go ahead and get rid of him. I so, think, I mean, I it, it'll be a it, it'll be a, a non-football reason to make a actual football move. I think a big thing here is, in the end, what may end up being found is that both sides are right in this, that or all three sides are right in this. The Dolphins didn't know there was a problem. The players, apparently, from what everybody is saying, didn't know there was a problem. So they couldn't fix something they didn't know was a problem. Richie Incognito, from what everybody is saying, Richie Incognito absolutely thought of Jonathan Martin as his little brother, that they were friends, that everything was good. And Jonathan Martin didn't see the relationship that way. So I think that in the end, it very much so could be, Yes, Richie Incognito did things to Jonathan Martin that Jonathan Martin felt were bullying. But in Richie Incognito's eyes, that wasn't the intent. That the intent was, this is his buddy, he's having fun with his buddy. So I think there's a very good possibility that that's what this could become. Now, you take into account what the lawyer said and absolutely 100% realize 95% of these leaks that are coming out right now are coming from Jonathan Martin's side. Because who could have leaked the um, voicemail? Jonathan Martin. He's the one that had it recorded. He's the one that had it. Um, same thing for the, 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 the report that Brian Hartline said. Jonathan Martin was passing it around. Jonathan Martin's the only person who could pass it around. Now, I heard a good point counterpoint to that today that he could have been playing that voicemail to one person to try to get them to go, this is what I'm dealing with. And that person started laughing, so Jonathan Martin started laughing because he didn't want to be the guy. He didn't want to be that guy. And that's how it started getting passed around. Absolutely 100% could be true. But again, if Jonathan Martin did not express that, he could not, or the team couldn't fix it. So I think there is. I think there may be, in the end, we all want it to be black and white, but there is so much gray here. And we're going to find ourselves right smack in the middle of the gray, and everybody's going to win, but everybody's going to lose. And that's where we are. Um, real quick. Of, <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say real quick, last thing I want to do on this, because we do, I mean, we have been on the air now for, what, almost an hour? And we've been on the air about 45 minutes, and all we've talked about is this, but, I mean, for understandable reasons. Uh, to, to slightly shift gears, as Agent J put it, situation with Martin and Incognito will have an impact. 
how do you think that impact is going to manifest itself, specifically on Monday night against Tampa Bay? Well, and that's what I was getting ready to hit to go into as well. Is I, I really see this as going one of two ways. Um, I, I think there's only two ways. One is it completely tears this team apart, and everything just it falls apart. Players quit on the coaches. Players quit on each other, and it becomes a big debacle. It can bring them together, and they – fight for Coach Philbin, they play extra hard just because they want to prove to everyone out there um, that that they're not the evil monsters or the enablers of, of, of all the stuff that's been said about them. I think that's why what Hartline said about Coach Philbin said, you know, he wanted them to, to you know, they kind of, they, the team's always kind of had a policy of, uh, you know, don't say much if you don't have to, and it's almost like you know, right. defend yourself. Go out there and, and defend, you know, defend yourself, and they did. And and uh, I think think they believe in him, and and I've actually kind of had this thought all week in that if if they win and win big Monday night, I could actually see them giving Coach Fieldman a Gatorade bath uh, or something of that nature. Just as just as a as a way to show the rest of the world we're behind our coach and we're going to continue fighting this season. That this season is not over, and I think I, I think that's how it's going to turn out. I hope that that's the way it turns right. out. I, you know, I think they're going to they're going to play and stick together. Now, you know, whether the issues on the offensive line because they did lose two starters uh, is going to you know cause some issues that you know that may come come into play, but. Um, I mean, I think as far as what goes on in the field, it's, you know, I think you know we've got the talent and uh, to, to beat a, a team like to, to beat a team like T- uh, Tampa Bay. And right now they are they have a dysfunctional locker room. There are reports that you know players are quitting on those coaches. And if it wasn't for all this other stuff, people would be talking about them as the most dysfunctional team in the league. So I think this team is just going to kind of rally around each other. They're going to kind of shelter themselves from all this stuff. They're going to say, we're going to go out and do this for us. We're going to show everyone, you know, that we're not we're not the enemies here. We're not bad people. And I think they're going to come out and, you know, and and I, I don't know how you, how you can kind of quantify all of this, but I just kind of expect to see, you know, when those tight ends go across the middle and they try to catch pass, that the hits are going to be just a little bit harder. Uh, right. That – that um, Mike Wallace is going to run just a half a step faster than normal, that the guys on the offensive line are going to be just a little bit extra more physical. The defensive line, Cameron Wake, guys like that, I think are going to come out with just an extra aggression that they're reaching deep down in their souls to get because they're tired of hearing about this. They're tired of seeing 8 million you know, news vans outside of their facility. They're tired of are tired of all this mess, and so they want to they want to get this focus on what's on the field. And I, you know, maybe it's just wishful thinking, but that's that's my thought. I think they're going to come out and they're going to attempt to absolutely uh, blister Tampa Bay, you know, with with however they can. I fully and absolutely agree. I think that. It, it absolutely is going one of two ways. This team is is either going to completely fall apart or they're going to 
band together and prove that they aren't completely devoid of leadership and a broken locker room like the national media wants to say. Now, I I would worry that it was going to go the bad way for us as fans until Philbin opened up the locker room and said, defend yourselves. And I think that's a key thing there is they listened to the coach. Brian Hartline said it in an interview, which I posted on the site today. Brian Hartline said it that they didn't talk to the media before Wednesday because they had the respect of their coach and they didn't want to speak out against him. And on Wednesday, he told them, go ahead and defend yourselves. Nobody else is going to, so defend yourself. And that's what they did. And I think that's a huge point. I think the fact that they all came out and they all said what they had to say, and it was fairly well the same thing. Could it be orchestrated by somebody? Of course it could. I mean, are we going to say that it's coincidence they all said the same thing? Maybe, maybe not. But I think that it's a huge, huge factor that they listened to their coach. They didn't speak until they were given clearance. And then when they were given clearance, they uh, they all came out together. And I don't think it's an accident that Philbin said, go defend yourselves on the day that day that um, Ryan Tannehill had his press conference. Ryan Tannehill only talks to the media one time a week on Wednesdays. And I don't think it's a coincidence that that's the day that Philbin said, okay, go defend yourselves. So there's a lot that can come out of this. And I think it's a absolutely a good thing. I think this team is absolutely about to – be mad, and they're going to take it out, take their aggression out on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think that's how this ends up going. Um, to completely and utterly change the subject right now, it's it's going across a few of the sites, and I'm sure we will at some point have it on the Finsider when I get a chance to write it unless somebody else does. But apparently uh, Mark Duper – has come out and said that he has tested positive for CTE, which is the chronic traumatic encephalopathy, however you pronounce that last word, uh, which is the concussion-related disease, I guess is the best way to put it, that has caused many players or several players, I don't want to say many, but several players, to have committed suicide, uh, Junior Seau and all of them, and uh, that's the loss of memory, the irritability, all of those kinds of things. So Duper is apparently the latest in the line of people that are now testing positive for CTE. And it's absolutely unfortunate. It's serious, and I don't know what else to say about it other than um, I hope Duper can get some treatment and is going to be okay. Yeah, that's that's uh, didn't wasn't Tony Dorsett didn't that have, yes. didn't he come out with that or yeah he just got he tested earlier this week too yep or he came out with his positive test earlier this week yep 
So yeah, that's, you know that uh, you know all this all this locker room stuff is one thing. The the concussion related stuff is another beast altogether because you know I mean and I I don't envy I don't envy the commissioner or anybody in that position because. You know, this is a game that we all love. You know, I've watched plenty of those old NFL films, and and you just see kind of old tough guys, you know, and, you know, just, uh, you know, it just kind of built the league up into this massive thing, and now it's kind of, they have to try to make it as safe as possible. But, but I mean, it's almost impossible to make a game safe where you have guys that are six foot two to six foot four between 220 and 250 pounds running 20 miles an hour into each other. I mean, it, yep. you just cannot, unless you, unless they decide to play the game encased in bubble wrap or something, you're just not going to, uh, it's just going to hard, be hard to make that, you know, completely safe. And so it's, you know, it, that kind of stuff, will, I think, is more damaging than anything because it, it, it hurts the integrity of, the game that we all love to watch. And, I mean, you know, you hear people say, oh, they're going to turn the NFL into a flag football league. But, I mean, you know, if, if guys are their lives, and, and, you know, and people will say, well, you know, they, they chose to live this life, and that's true. But uh, at the same time, you know, it's like I think the Tuesday morning quarterback article always talks about this, is, you know, the people who are really getting harmed in this deal are not the NFL players. I mean, these guys are making millions and millions of dollars, and, you know, it's – it's the guys at the high school football level or college football level or whatever else that, you know, yeah, there's concussion protocols and, and and things in the NFL now, but what about these kids that, you know, that are 17, 16 years old that are getting, uh, that are getting uh, in the head and they don't tell anybody and they go back in the game. I mean, that's, that's where the damaging stuff comes in. And so, it, you know, I don't know. It's, I hope it doesn't, I hope that they can find a way to make the game a little safer and, and keep it going because it is fun to watch. We all enjoy it, but I don't know. Just that. Agent J, like, Agent J posted that uh, he doesn't know a lot about CTE, but I thought they could only test, truly test for it during an autopsy. Uh, it was that way earlier this year, a little bit after Junior Seau, uh, Junior Seau committed suicide, unfortunately. Um, I think it was earlier this year was when they they announced that they had found a test that could actually test for it in living person in living people. So um, there there is a way. I don't know how it is. Okay, James just posted that it's a certain protein in the blood. Yeah, so th- there is a way to test it, for it, it now. It's a it's a pro it's a protein that they can only find in the body in a normal brain during an autopsy. But now they they've figured out that that's, that protein shows, you know, if it winds up in the rest of your body, it's showing that there's brain damage, or it's evidence of of brain damage, right? Which leads to, yeah, you know, I just I happened to hear an interview on the way home with Ken Stabler, and uh, I guess he's in Dallas doing I don't know what, and uh, you know he's talking about it because a lot of his he apparently he's fine, but. A lot of the guys that he played with are not fine, yeah. and uh, you know a lot of those guys are, are you know, 
really not, you know, I, I guess uh, they were talking about uh, Jimmy McMahon, and he basically has to, uh, if he goes anywhere, his, his wife has to write down directions how to get back to their house, even though they're right. in that same house for like 30 years now. You know, because if if not, he he gets goes out there and gets lost. Like, yeah, I read uh, I read something about a I can't remember the I think it was a tight end that uh, he did not he did not remember being in a, a friend's wedding, and they had to show him the picture album, and the guy was like, "Yeah, you were in the wedding. You sang at the wedding." And he doesn't remember any of it. Now, I mean, this guy's not. I mean, this guy's frail. I don't know if he's still in the league or not, but he's not a old player by any. Yeah, I just it's unfortunate. I've had I've had multiple concussions from other things in my life that have caused concussions. Um I I know how bad they can be. I've ended up the the worst one was my first one when uh I ended up hospitalized for overnight for observation because I lost my short-term memory and uh all kinds of things like that. So I know how bad they can be. Um, I don't know. Obviously, I, I know how how the long-term effects will feel if I have any long-term effects from multiple concussions. So I I just – I it's something that hits close to home for me uh, personally, but I, I don't know how these guys deal with things like that where – a place where you have lived forever, you now suddenly can't remember how to get back to. Well, from from what it I just, understand, the important thing now is, like, even for somebody like you that's had multiple concussions, that you find somebody that can test you, and if they find yeah. out that you have, you know, even the beginning symptoms of, of this, there's ways now that they can treat it and kind of, you know, stave off the long-term effects. But they kind of, you know, they have to be able to jump on it early you know, a lot of these guys, unfortunately, are so far along. You know that. Uh, you know they're they're. I mean, they're they're wheelchairs and can barely talk. Yeah. You know, a lot of them. So. I will say, uh, the army is doing better about trying to test and trying to find out um, guys' baseline uh, brainwave activity, and then trying to make sure that if he does go through something like a concussive blast that they do the subsequent testing to try to make sure that guys that even if they are asymptomatic, because that's the thing to remember, we see it a lot that uh, who was it just recently that went back into the game, finished the game. And then like two days later, Oh, Josh Freeman, wasn't it Josh Freeman that did that? And then like two days later they said, Oh, he has a concussion and everybody went, well, why does he just have a concussion now? Well, that's part of the problem is everybody's different and every concussion is different. So you can be absolutely asymptomatic for days and then suddenly all of a sudden light starts hurting your eyes and you're vomiting everywhere and people go back to, oh, he did get a concussion during that one hit that looked bad but he didn't feel anything at the moment. Or even one that didn't look bad. I mean, sometimes it's the simplest hit that – just it rings your bell for some reason. I, I remember reading a story. I don't know. It was probably a year ago. Somebody that one of the universities had developed a, a helmet sensor that would go inside of a helmet, 
And the concept was if a helmet got hit hard enough, and there's there's I guess there's some line of demarcation where they know if you take a, a hit at this this you know this level in impact, then, then you're 99 percent chance of getting uh, you have a 99 percent chance of getting in a concussion. Huh. And the, the concept was that they'd mount these on the inside of um, the, the the helmets, and then they then they're you know they're wirelessly transmit this this data to to you know a a computer on the sideline, but they why, why does the NFL you know look into adopting things like that? And then you take you take the decision out of the hands of you know you know Diddy. I mean, there, there's still going to be there's going to be lesser hits where somebody gets a concussion, but there's going to be ones where you say, you know what, you're going to just have to sit out because you took right. too hard a hit, and we can't we can't chance it. Yeah, you know? and and eventually it's going to get to that, and it's just. Eventually, they're going to have to play the safety card of you took a hard hit, you're sitting out. Sorry, and it'll drive people nuts because the uh, when that hard hitting safety comes flying in and makes a great hit, and now he's out for the rest of that game because he made the hit. It, you're right. It's going to be something that is probably going to have to happen. But it's unfortunate because how do you regulate it? How do you how do you how do you get that into the game to the point that people understand why? Because these players, I mean, these players are players that absolutely will say, "Cut off my finger so I can go back into the game." I mean, that that's the type of mentality these guys have. So, well, you know, you know what uh, they need to do. The NFL needs to say we'll give a hundred million dollar grant to the first university that can come up with a better helmet. You know, or, or, or things, things of that nature. Yeah, that's where it's getting up to start. There was something I read about this, and I would like to see kind of the the you know kind of the research behind it. But I believe it was wasn't it uh, Mark Kelso or someone that used to play for the Bills that had the like a foam cover to his helmet. And from what I've kind of understood from what I read about it was that the the impact on the foam helmet is actually better than having the harder helmet because the foam kind of absorbed most of the impact before it got to the person's head. Um, it's, it's very possible that we may see, it's kind of backwards thinking, but we may see actually softer helmets coming out that are, that are able to absorb the impact better than the current helmets do. You want to put a you want to put a you want to hard shell. You want to put a safer barrier on people's heads, don't you? To to well, make the NASCAR jump. <laughs> if somebody uh, no, if somebody the safer right, helmet, the yeah, let's time, do it. At the same time, if you put a softer helmet on somebody's head, they're going to stop using their head as much. I mean, there, mm-hmm. there's 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 a balance there. You could very easily cut down the number of concussions by making a helmet softer. It's counterintuitive, but if a guy has a softer helmet and he knows it's going to hurt more when he hits with his head, he'll stop hitting with his head as much. So there is a balance there. Are they going to do it? No. The thing I like is the fact that um, the NFL just got rid of the stipulation that if a helmet is not Rydell, then it can't say the name of the brand on the helmet. If you ever watch the Dolphins players when they do close-ups, 
it'll either say Rydell right on the front of their helmet or it'll say Miami. And it's because the NFL had an agreement that only Rydell could have their name on it. They were the official helmet of the league. Players could choose to use other helmets, but then it would say Miami or whatever their team name or whatever it was that would go on the helmet was. And the league just ended that and is going to allow other companies that make helmets to have their name on their helmet. And I think that's absolutely a great thing because a guy, you're seeing kids grow up wanting helmets that are the same as their favorite player. And now if you start to allow more name brands to be shown, you'll start to see better competition and people are going to be trying to make that safer helmet. So I think that's a good step. Um, It's something very simple and very easy, but I do think it's a very good step. And and speaking of the the lettering across the front, did you notice the Thursday night, which did that game not seem like it was a million years ago? It does. Um, Oh, my God. uh, But did you notice that some of the Dolphins players, I believe actually Tannehill did, that the the lettering across on that little flap in the front was actually three-dimensional? Like it wasn't just printed no. on the thing; it actually stuck out. I thought that was no, pretty I didn't cool. Notice that. I first saw it, I first saw it. And it was kind of difficult to read, and then I think Kenny Hill turned a certain way, and it actually popped out. You could see it looked like a, like it was raised rubber lettering on that little thing on the front. I thought it was kind of cool. Uh, you have to go go back I'll and watch to, the go back and watch yeah. the game and see that. I, I thought that was pretty interesting to uh, to uh, a neat little a neat little thing to add to uh, add to a helmet. Um, for, since we are starting to talk a little bit more about the actual game now, because, yes, it does. It feels like that Thursday night game was uh, – I, I would say it was a different season at this point. It is so long ago. And we still yeah, have I mean, two more days before we're to game day again. It just – so much has happened this week. But uh, the injury report today, out Jonathan Martin, did not practice. Jelani Jenkins and Koamisi, a foot and a knee respectively, Limited was Demetri Patterson with a groin, uh, Deion Sims with a toe, Caleb Sturgis with a right groin, and full practice was Nolan Carroll with a concussion, Chris Clements with a hamstring, Danelle Ellerby with calf, and Nate Garner with knee. It is exactly the same as Thursday's injury report. And the thing to remember is today was their off day. The Dolphins, although they've been doing Thursday off days, Today was their off day since they have the Monday night game, same as last time they had a Monday night game. So they they did not have practice today. This is, again, that fake made up. This is what would have happened if we practiced. So it was exactly the same as Thursday's practice report. Uh, the one that bothers me the most out of that, I, I hate the fact that Dimitri Patterson is injured again. He is such a big part of this defense, and when he is in there, that secondary is so much better, and it doesn't even have to be him in there every play. It's just having him available seems to make that secondary much more comfortable. But the one that I really don't like is Caleb Sturgis. If your kicker is having a groin injury or groin issue on his kicking leg, that's not a good situation. And he's already having problems. He's already had his confidence shaken. The fact that he's now injured – not a good situation, and hopefully it turns out to be nothing major. But yeah, the, the, that one bothers me a little. That Caleb Sturgis is yeah, having a, a problem. Given everything else, 
I was thinking about this. I remember reading, uh, I think think it was Bill Simmons talking about how uh, during the 2007 season when the Patriots played, I think, the Jets, the last game of the year, that Bill Belichick was going to make the punter inactive for the game, and he was going into, as Bill Simmons put it, FU mode. I thought to myself (laughs) this week after reading that, um, it would not surprise me to see the Dolphins kind of go into that mode and just uh, <laughs> and make Caleb Sturgis and Brandon, uh, Brandon Fields and actually be like, we're not punting and we're not kicking field goals and we're not kicking extra points. We're going to put up eight every time we get the ball. Just deal with it. That would be that would be very. Uh, I don't, it's not going to happen, but I think that'd be kind of kind of cool. But um, yeah, I mean, I've read stuff about um, Dimitri. Patterson, uh, I don't remember the, the guy's name of the tweet. I think he's a he works for ESPN, I think uh, now, but I believe he was a former scout or something. And he said that the, the issue with Patterson was never talent. The guy's always been a talented player. He just can't stay healthy. And yeah. you know, the first game of the year comes out. I think he's got one of the best, if not the best, per snap interception ratio in the league. And the guy's yeah. played every game he's playing. He's got an interception. Um, he's always around the ball. And of all the Dolphins, the Dolphin corners that I've seen over the past few years, he's the best in terms of uh, I can't. I think the terms quick and close on those when he's playing in zone and they throw those little quick out patterns. He stops and he plants. Makes the tackle. I mean, if you're throwing a if you're throwing a quick pass in his direction, you might catch the pass, but that's it. You catch it where you, you get it where you caught the ball, and you're going down. Very good at that stuff. Um, that's one of those things I thought Vontae Davis would have been very good at. That uh, you know he showed that in college, and I so I don't watch much of him now, but um, it, it's kind of that's kind of what you were expecting. That some of those bigger corners may not be able to do that as quick in a zone that he can, but he just, you know, he's a physical player because he he will go in there. And he's not afraid to make those tackles, but uh, he just can't stay healthy. So, um, you know, I think he'll play this week. He may be limited, but I think he'll play. And you know, for all we know, he's probably gonna get another pick. Yeah, it's just. It is exactly. I'm I'm reading about this. I know people have probably seen it. Um, Chris Mosley, he was the assistant offensive line coach for the Dolphins. He stepped down, I guess, today, the team, and he mutually agreed to part ways. Um, A lot of people are speculating that it had something to do with the incognito Jonathan Martin situation, but he's actually been away from the team for like five weeks. He left on a leave of absence for – to deal with personal reasons or personal matters and no, no more details than that on what those personal matters were and rightfully so. But a lot of people are trying to tie the two together. Um, Omar just put out a report about it and is kind of trying to make the tie that he could become a part of the investigation because he was a member of the Dolphins and everything, but I, I really think that this is just a matter of something is going on in his life that is keeping him away from football. If you're an assistant offensive line coach, you don't normally step down unless it's either something serious going on in your personal life or something serious going on with the team that makes you get fired. 
And since he's been gone for five weeks, which is obviously well before the 12 days ago started, then I think that's all that is. And I'm not going to read much into the fact that he left. Now, if the investigation comes out and says that he's the one that said Jonathan Martin or Richie Incognito toughen up Jonathan Martin and put some sort of this is what you're going to do or something, granted, take absolutely 100% he should be gone. But I'm not going to read anything into it at this point. Yeah, that's – the worst part is someone – someone will probably take this and run with it. But oh, that's for how it is. But uh, yeah, I, I'm reading what AJ is saying here about Patterson, and it's just kind of funny to me. This was a guy that myself included and a lot of other fans thought this guy's going to be cut. We just drafted these two other guys. Um, let's say we had Marshall at the time. So yeah, this guy's getting cut because he's you know it's basically free money to cut him. There's no cap penalty to do it, and this guy has turned out to be. You know, one of the best corners, not just on the team, but on the, in the league this season. Um, so, yeah, I mean, honestly, I mean, the only thing I think holding him back right now is just the fact that he's an older player. He doesn't have a lot of miles, so that's a good thing. Um, I, I, I really could see the Dolphins restructuring his deal and giving him kind of a three-year deal after this after this season. Um, uh, especially if the rookies aren't coming along. I found it very telling, in my opinion, that um, that during the Cincinnati game three seasons ago, um, that whenever Carroll went down and Patterson went down, that R.J. Stanford was the guy they brought in. Yeah, and that I was kind of going, interesting. Yeah, I remember going crazy two seasons ago whenever we played the Texans and Nolan Carroll was guarding Andre Johnson instead of Sean Smith. And I remember standing in my living room because that's where I stand watching the Dolphins game. I don't see it. I stand. And I saw R.J. Stanford on A.J. Green, and I probably turned a, you know, glow-in-the-dark shade of white at that point. I was like, oh, my gosh, we're just going to die now. And nothing bad happened, so that was a good relief. But that was just – that was uh, that was frightening. I was like, really? But – Gave me chills just thinking about it. Yeah, so <laughs> I, I don't know why why Jamar Taylor and uh, Will Davis. And granted, you know, this is what happens a lot during the season is you don't um, – players, you know, the backups and the lower string guys, at this point, these guys are not second string or third string. They're lower than that, it seems like. Guys like that, they don't get opportunities in practice like they did in training camp. You know, by the time you get into the season, you're doing game planning. You're doing focusing on beating a particular team that you're doing stuff with. So it's not uh, – they're not getting the kind of opportunities. So I don't know. I mean, hopefully Tampa Bay, because of their injuries in the receiving core, this this uh, may be the, the, a good game to let some of these guys get a little more playing time. Yeah, I think it probably will be. Um, I think that the I, – I do find it odd that R.J. Stanford came in over Jamar Taylor, who who did get one snap on defense. I don't know when it was. I didn't look that closely. Um, but he did get one snap on defense. But 
I don't I don't know why they didn't put him in more. It's just odd. Uh, maybe he's not a hundred percent yet. It just I don't know. It just was a strange thing to notice that Jamar Taylor did not go in. Um, Will Davis. A lot of people have issues, and it kind of goes to the same thing with Deion Jordan. A lot of people having, hey, why aren't these guys playing? We spent the draft pick on them, get them in, all that kind of stuff. But they're just not ready. Deion Jordan is not ready to play every single snap. And part of that is the team trying to protect him from the rookie, uh, the rookie wall. Part of that is he can't he, – he is not as good. I won't say he can't. He, he can set the edge. He is not as good as good at setting the edge as is Olivier Vernon. And if that's what you are trying to do, and on a running down, that's what you're trying to do, you'd rather have Olivier Vernon in there or even Derek Shelby in there over Deion Jordan right now. That doesn't mean that he's a bust. That doesn't mean that the Dolphins wasted a draft pick on him. They will get him in there when he is ready, and he will get some experience at it, and he will grow this season, and he will be ready. But I I think the same thing is happening with Will Davis right now. He's just not ready. For whatever reason, they don't feel he is ready. They are playing the best corners that we have in the rotation of the number one guy, number two guy, number three guy, so on and so forth. So I think you you, you actually – we all want to see it as fans because I absolutely want to see Deion Jordan in there 50 plays out of 60. I mean, I, I'd love to see him in there because I think he could absolutely wreak havoc on a, uh, a opposing quarterback. But at the same time, there's a reason why he's not. The coaches don't just play, oh, I don't want to put him in. There's a reason he's not in. So I'd absolutely absolutely 100% think that we need to see these guys more, but we will when they are ready. And one thing about Olivier Vernon is that he's got four and a half sacks this season. So, I mean, if you do the extrapolation there. He's on pace to get nine sacks, which is not not that bad. Um, you know that's that's improvement, and you know, and you got to realize even the best the best players, you know, the, you know they get a sack. You know how many snaps, and they only get you know at most twenty sacks or something. I mean, what's the record? Twenty four, twenty two, something like that. All of them. You know, so it's not like they're winning every single snap. Now, he, you know, whether or not he's generating a lot of pressure, and that's the deal with Jordan. Is that Jordan is he? He got one sack at the very first game. It got a face mask to go along with it, so it didn't count really. Um, it counted statistically, it did not count on the field. But but every, there's plenty of other games. He had the Joe Flacco deflection. He had the uh, he had against Ryan that ended the game against uh, the Falcons. So. He's generating some pressure and getting uh, getting in there. One thing I thought was very interesting was that um, against the Patriots, we saw him way down the field in uh, man yeah. coverage against Bronx. So they're going to use him yep. in a variety of ways, uh, and I think that, and for him, the way he's playing, I think he's 
his play has warranted more snaps. I think they're just slow cooking him. They're saying, you know what? Right. Keep playing the way we're playing you. We're not going, you know, we're going to up, maybe up, up it a little bit now that the season's moving along. But um, And I think the other thing to remember is he's having success on the snaps he's being given because the coaches are putting him in position to have success on those snaps. He's, he, they're not rushing him into every down. They're putting him in on downs where he'll have success. And then he goes out there and has success. He will earn more playing time eventually, and all of the rookies will. Jelani Jenkins doesn't see much playing time. Will Davis hasn't seen any playing time. Um, Mike Gillisley, somebody who everybody is – I want to see him in there. He's obviously not ready because the coaches don't just keep a guy out because they feel like it. They they obviously will put him in when they are ready for him to be in. And that's the that's the coach's version of rookie hazing. Yeah. Oh, you think you're <laughs> sorry? Good well, you're not. We're going to bench you. I think that I, I think that if they didn't have any faith in rookies and they weren't going to play rookies, you wouldn't have seen the team draft a rookie kicker, and that rookie kicker would not be our kicker right now. I mean, that that's, we don't have a problem with handing over important positions to a rookie. It's just a matter of, is that rookie ready to take those reins and run with them? And in the case of Deion Jordan, he's partially there. In the case of Mike Gillisley, he's apparently not there yet. And that's okay. He's a rookie. We have him for four years. Uh, let's give him four years to decide what to do with him. We don't have to see a rookie make a 100% killer impact the first day he was there. Jason Taylor did not make a killer impact the first year he was in Miami. He made a good impact. He did not become a Hall of Fame defensive end in his rookie year. So give it some time. Deion Jordan will be fine. He will play when he's ready to play, and I absolutely 100% believe that. Um. Okay, so Monday night. Other than the madness of a team in turmoil or a situation or a bullying allegation or any of that stuff, what do you think we're going to see? Do you think this team is going to have the success running the ball? Because Tampa has a good run defense. They just have not played well this year. Do you think Mike Sherman is going to actually run the ball? more, or do you think we're going to drop back and pass 50 times this game? Um, it, it, I mean, it depends. I, th- I, I mean, I think we're going to let, let the uh, kind of how, how they play, in a sense, dictate what we need to do. If, if they're stopping the run, I think we're going to pass more. They've got a good secondary, so it's going to be, um, that's going to be an interesting matchup, but um, I think that in light of everything going on, that they are going to say, you know what, the the offensive line has been in kind of an embattled group this week. Uh, we're going to come out and run the ball because that's when the offensive line gets to be aggressive. Um, I do think that, you know, I did, I, I've liked what I've seen from Tannehill this week in terms of his leadership and kind of taking over the team. And I would like to see that translate onto the field. I would like to see him go out there and just – he needs to have one of those games where he just goes off 
for like five touchdowns or seven touchdowns or whatever. You know, he just has one of those games where he just plays like a madman. Uh, I think not just for this other situation, just for, you know, just from a football standpoint, you know, the fans would like to see him finally become, you know, take take hold of that franchise quarterback mantle and, and do it. So that's kind of what I hope to see. I would love to see Tannehill just have a, a, a huge breakout game. I, I would love to see guys like Agnew and Matthews have a good breakout game. Um, um, and I think Matthews, I think those guys are going to get their chance. And, and that's one neat thing about Agnew is that, you know, he the one thing they – we saw from hard knocks and that they kind of were the knock against him was this guy couldn't block and now they're using him as a fullback. So how how much of a how much of a yeah a one eighty was that? Um I absolutely he, love the fact that he's playing fullback and is actually finding really good success. And Mike Sherman said that the emergence of Agnew as a blocker is what is putting this running game back on track. That's an amazing thing to hear. Because never would any of us have expected that before this season. Yeah, and I mean, I think once he gets once he gets the finer points of route running down to where he can, uh, you know, because he's got the athleticism. And I think it, the the difference between playing the fullback role that he's playing and going out and running a running routes as a tight end is just the thank you part. I mean. We hear that phrase all the time, but you know it's just it's just a thing with sports. You have to, um, you know, I think at this point he he's as a fullback he can just he, he picks up the guy he needs to block. He sees what he's got to do and he just goes. He doesn't think about it. When he's running routes, it looks like he's a step slower because he's thinking about what he needs to do. When he gets comfortable in that position where he he knows what he's doing and he gets gets. Um, some of the finer points down. I think the guy's going to be a player, and uh, you know that'll be um, that'll be good to see because I think right now the tight end position on the team is is I don't think it's great by any means. I would I would say it at it, 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 it best good um, come a very very uh, productive unit with Clay having a career year with Agnew uh, stepping up and. Uh, you know, we'll see Sims develop a little bit more as well. So I think that that unit's got the making of, of uh, something good there. And um, I don't know. I, I'd, like to see, I'd like to see Agnew and Matthews get their first NFL touchdowns this week. I think that would be nice. Uh, it's kind of a nice touch. I always pull for underdogs and I always pull for, you know, young players to develop like that. So I'd really like to see him kind of, kind of do a – the, those, those guys step up, and and while Igno doesn't necessarily have to, because there are some other players there, I think Matthews is really going to have to step up now. And uh, you know, another move that can, kind of got lost completely in all this other stuff was the fact we picked up Marlon Moore. You know, and and, and I think fans understand this is not a guy that's going to set the world on fire by any means, but he's a guy that the coaches are familiar with. He's familiar with the system because he played it all last year. So now instead of having, you know, Ryan Spadola or whoever it was off the practice squad, we have a guy who, is, who knows what's going on, and now we have a fourth weapon that can come in as a fourth wide receiver, and, and, and we can expect him to be, you know, not be lost and, and could be productive from that role. Uh, yeah, Mar- Marlon Moore is going to be an interesting 
an interesting addition to the team because he's going to fill the Richard Matthews role before Richard Matthews moved over to fill the Brandon Gibson role. But he's also somebody who absolutely could be a key member of the special teams. And I think that's what we're going to see is he's going to be a gunner on special teams and should be helping out with that. So it'll be, it'll be good to see him back number 14 back on the team. Um, of course, we're not obviously going to, we're not, not going to be, uh, we're not punting any this week, so it's not going to matter. That's true. We're not we're not punting, so cause we <laughs> enacted Brandon Fields and uh, and uh, Caleb Sturgis, and I guess you could inactivate John Denny then too, because we don't need a long snapper. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, that's that's a pretty good. Uh, that's three of the inactives right there. <laughs> But we have come up on our 90-minute time frame, so I'll give it over to you, Duke, if you have anything else on your mind real quick. Um, no, I did see uh, not anything real, I would say, meaningful. I did see a, a tweet today that airline, I don't know the name of the airline off the top of my head, but they're already taking this situation and using it in their uh, in their advertisements. Um, something about don't be uh don't uh, don't be bullied by bad prices. Fly incognito from Miami for such and such a price or whatever like that. Um nice. you know, they're making a joke out of it. it, it, it was, yeah. Everybody that saw it was kinda like oh, yeah, that's kinda lame, but whatever. I thought you know, I you know, it was, like I said, someone wants you gotta laugh at everything. It was just kinda funny that you know, somebody could spin it this way, but uh <laughs> whatever. It was kinda it's kind of stupid, <laughs> but uh, well, thank goodness we're finally to Friday night, which means that we are closing in on football again because this has gotten ridiculous, and it does seem like it's forever ago since the Dolphins played. So hopefully we can get back on the field. Hopefully the team comes out mad and uses this as a reason to prove that they are still united and that they will be ready to play. And they do have leaders, which is not something that we, uh, or is not something the media would have you believe at this point. So, and, uh, uh, and that's one of those things about what, you know, Tannehill coming out of that press conference and saying some of the things he did. It was kind of like, I think Ben Volan mentioned it and, uh, and uh, a couple others is like it was good to see him kind of take that role of I'm I'm right. the quarterback of this team I'm the leader of this team kind of you know it's one thing because you're a first round quarterback and 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 you're a first round player first of all and you're a quarterback that you kind of it's kind of assumed that you're the leader of the team you know we kind of you know I think they tried to give that to Chad Henney and it just never really worked it I think it at least. Yeah, at least in terms of the leadership, it bodes well for Tannehill that he stepped up in the way he did with with you know with those questions because it kind of showed you know what I I am a leader of this team, um, so you know it may be one of those moments where you know the team kind of looks him yeah he's quarterback he's the leader but he really is kind of that in name now it's actually going to take some kind of effect where the locker room will actually listen to him and say 
you know, he will, you know, get up there and, and, and give some kind of speech before the game or whatever and get them all fired up or something. I don't know. But that was that was good to see from him. So I think that's – I think we're going to start seeing that come out more from, from Tannehill now as that leadership. So when people yeah, say, oh, the Dolphins don't have any leadership, they, they're not going to be able to say that for very long. I can't remember who tweeted it. Somebody definitely did. But that the Dolphins – um, the or that Tannehill, sorry, that Tannehill absolutely grew up this week. That he grew up as a leader of this team this week. And I mean, it sucks that this is the method that had to happen, but it's good that at least it's happening for Tannehill. So I can't, uh, I, I can't say that it's a happy situation, but at least it's happening. So, thanks everybody for listening tonight. Uh, James had to leave, so he, he can't say say last comments or anything like that, but um, thanks everybody for listening. Duke, thank you very much for calling in, and uh, we will be back next Friday to talk more Dolphins football, and we'll actually have another game to talk about, which will be good, because it does feel like it's been forever. So thanks, everybody, and good night. Good night. Now at O'Reilly Auto Parts, pick up a bottle of Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale for $7.99. Plus, earn double O Rewards points. Help your engine run smoother and last longer with Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale now at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supplies. See store for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hi, I'm Mark from Marinda Safeway. We offer great savings on groceries, but did you know we also offer savings at the pump? Earn 10 cents off per gallon when you spend $100 at Safeway stores. Enter your phone number or swipe your club card at the register and earn points. Redeem your rewards at participating Chevron, Texaco, and Safeway gas stations. Maximum gas reward at participating Chevron or Texaco stations is 20 cents per gallon and $1 per gallon at Safeway stations in a single fill-up, up to 25 gallons. Other restrictions and exclusions apply. See complete details at Safeway.com forward slash reward. This is Mark from Marinda Safeway, and we'll see you soon. My name is Spencer Hall. My name is Jason Kirk. My name is Ryan Nanny. And when we combine, we form the, the Shutdown, Shutdown Fullcast. Fultron! I keep telling you, we're not Fultron. The Shutdown Fullcast is technically a college football podcast, but it's also a show about lawn care disasters, regional grocery stores we love, Tennessee Batman, homeowners associations, Bears and video games. I mean, there's also some actual football discussion, like about coaches having huge contracts or coaches making terrible decisions or coaches saying really stupid things. Or the NCAA saying really stupid things. Yeah, there's lots of stupid things in this big, dumb, beautiful sport. Sometimes we talk about football games. Allegedly. If you want to take college football exactly as seriously as it deserves to be taken, come find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts like this one. The Shutdown Fullcast. It's not Voltron. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies, like Google, Meta, and Apple. 
But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it. Then, in that moment, you don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done, and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of, like, afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts. Hello, I'm Nilay Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts.